Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. In 1980, four-year-old Vicki Lyons was found in a parking lot, unconscious and near death. There were no witnesses. No one knew what really happened. But Vicky's mother was determined to find out. West Texas is far removed from big cities like Dallas and Houston. The land is flat and dry, dotted with the occasional oil well or cotton field. At the crossroads of Interstate 20 and Route 87 is a little town called Big Spring. Out here, when the local high school marching band is invited to the state tournament, it's front page news. That front page belongs to the Big Spring Herald newspaper, which chronicles all the town's activities, no matter how big or small. I worked in circulation department, and it was very nice. I knew all the people there. I'd known them for a long time. In 1980, Crystal Lyons was living in Big Spring with her husband, Bill, and four-year-old daughter, Vicki. A very quiet baby. She didn't like getting her hands dirty or her feet dirty. She'd, if you took her shoes off, she would walk and take one step, dust off her foot, dust off her hands, and take another step. She was very... Very into being clean. <laughs> like all working mothers, Crystal was often pulled in two directions. One day, when the babysitter didn't show up, Crystal's supervisor gave her a tough choice. I told my boss that I didn't have anyone to take care of Vicky that day, and she he told me that if I didn't bother to come in, I didn't have a job. Since Crystal had taken Vicky into work before, she decided to do it again. Her co-workers liked the little girl, and Crystal kept her eye on Vicky as best she could. While Crystal was moving papers to the loading dock for afternoon delivery, Reverend J.B. Hardiman drove up. When I was in town, I'd go there every day and pick me up with the paper here to be there when they started running them. As the delivery vehicles were preparing to leave the loading dock, Crystal heard her supervisor tell Vicky to go outside and play in the parking lot. And I was just fixing to tell him, you know, I don't feel comfortable about any of this, so I'm just going to go home, and you can make your decision. Chuck? We got 
But before she could say anything, the supervisor saw Vicky lying on the ground, not moving. She could tell from even the distance that, you know, she'd been hit. When Crystal got there, Vicky was unconscious and not breathing. No one else was there, and there was no indication what happened. Vicky was rushed by ambulance to the Odessa Hospital about an hour away. Crystal followed in her car. As if Crystal and Vicky hadn't already been through enough, the ambulance broke down along the way. We almost hit it. We were right behind the ambulance, and we almost hit the ambulance because it just slowed down and to such a point that we had to get out of the way. Eventually, the ambulance got to the hospital, and Vicki was rushed to intensive care. That's when it really hit me, that she may not make it. She was mine and Bill's only child. It was hard. They finally took me and Bill in to see Vicki. Uh, she was in a coma. And then she started what they thought throwing up blood. And uh, so they asked us to leave. We hadn't even been in there maybe two minutes. As they left the room, they noticed unusual marks on Vicky's face. So those are tire marks on her face. And he suggests they're, yes, they are. Crystal had the presence of mind to get her camera and take pictures of these marks on Vicky's face before they disappeared. Had she not taken this important step, the story that follows might never have happened. Vicky lay in a coma with her mother by her side. Police questioned everyone at the newspaper, but no one had seen the incident. Police issued an all-points bulletin for J.B. Hardeman, the man seen leaving the parking lot in a hurry just minutes before Vicky was found. I was late leaving. Hadn't had my, my wife didn't fix no lunch. I went by the chicken place and got me a box of chicken. Come back down there and they were running the papers. I got me a paper and take off. Hardeman was a minister, but made his living peddling fish from the back of his truck. Police caught up with him in the nearby town of Snyder. Well, we got a warrant for your arrest. So for what? For running over a girl in the big spring and leaving the scene of the accident. Running over a girl in the big spring. Snyder police put Hardeman in a jail cell where he overheard officers talking on the phone. I heard him talking to Big Spain. He told him, I, I went over that truck with a fine thief comb, and I can't find nothing but one little spot. Of, I did find one, see one little spot of blood. And I, that kind of shook me up when he said that. After almost three weeks in a coma, Vicki regained consciousness. She suffered severe damage to her skull and one eye. She could not walk or even speak. As time went by, Vicky's condition slowly improved. One day, Crystal took Vicky to the newspaper office to see everyone who had been concerned about her. When are you coming back? Still not talking. When one of the employees leaned into the car to say hello, Vicky reacted violently. 
be a couple times a week. It was the first time Vicky had spoken since the accident. And Vicky just started kicking and screaming, you know, um, what little voice could come out, you know. That was the first sign of a voice, actually. It was just this, um, um, it wasn't even a clear voice. It was just more of a screech type thing. But Vicky was not well enough to explain her reaction. Crystal decided to conduct her own investigation. Crystal believed the answer to the mystery of what happened to Vicky were those marks on Vicky's face. Marks which hospital employees identified as tire marks. Crystal made a list of all vehicles she could remember seeing in the newspaper parking lot prior to Vicky's accident. Then she needed to find a way to compare the marks on Vicky's face to the tires of those vehicles. Crystal rubbed black shoe polish on each tire and then pressed plain white paper against it. She kept careful records of which tire impression came from each vehicle. In all, she took nine tire impressions from two vans and a pickup truck. Then she showed her detective work to the police. I said, you arrested the wrong person. I said, you've harassed a black man who was just a sweet, harmless old man who never done anything wrong to anybody. And I said, you need to, you know, fix this. The grand jury questioned Reverend Hardiman, but did not indict him. The spot of blood on the truck turned out to be fish blood. Crystal did not believe Reverend Hardiman was the one who ran over Vicky. But police refused to investigate further, saying it was a civil matter, not a criminal one. At the time, the newspaper's parking lot was unpaved and bumpy. It was possible that a driver may have driven over Vicky and mistaken the bump for a pothole. For the next three years, as she nursed Vicky back to health, no one in the small town of Big Spring was willing to help her. One day, while reading a magazine, Crystal saw an article about a man known as the Sherlock Holmes of Tire Marks. This was the break that Crystal had been praying for. Peter McDonald literally wrote the book on tire impression evidence. He was formerly the chief designer for the Firestone Tire Company. He also assisted numerous police agencies and taught at the FBI Academy. After reading the magazine article about McDonald, Crystal Lyons called him in Ohio. She explained the case as best she could and told him about the pictures she had taken, which appeared to show a tire mark. Luckily for the Lyons family, McDonald was no stranger to tire impressions in human flesh. Uh, my heart went out to her with this almost like tattoo on her forehead. With the evidence Crystal had gathered, 
McDonald thought he could help. I think it's amazing that she had the foresight to make rubbings of suspect tires. I don't always get that sort of work from police on a major homicide case. Crystal had labeled each of the tire impressions with the date and its position on the vehicle. Two of the vehicles I could eliminate very quickly. One was a big snow tire type design. Another was a passenger design, but it had major grooves that were kind of lightning shaped, which was different than the imprint on Vicky's forehead. But the last three imprints were interesting. They were Golden Sonic 78s, a relatively rare tire no longer manufactured. The imprint on Vicky's face looked similar, but McDonald wasn't sure that the size matched. The same tread pattern appears in as normally about 12 different sizes. So it's important to me to confirm that it's not only the same manufacturer, the same brand, but that it has exactly the same size. But Crystal's photographs did not contain a size reference. How could McDonald determine the size of a tire impression on Vicky's face taken three years earlier? Another photograph was taken, this time with a scale reference. The human skull grows most rapidly in the first three years of life. But between the ages of four and seven, the distance between the eye sockets and mouth usually remain the same. This knowledge helped McDonald to compare these two photographs with a scale of reference. On Vicky's forehead, McDonald saw tiny lines made by tire sipes, which are narrow cuts put in the tire to improve traction. And they are a forensic scientist's greatest tool because I can help determine the wear of the tire. Sipes are made by small metal blades placed in the tire mold. To make the tire stronger, the blades sometimes have a small indentation, creating a raised area of rubber called a tie bar. As the tread wears, the tie bar is exposed and the tire's imprint changes. In Vicky's skin, McDonald found interruptions in the sipes caused by the exposed tie bar. He determined the tire had worn down about five one-hundredths of an inch. Two of the Sonic 78 imprints could now be eliminated since they had very little wear. But the last imprint showed the same degree of wear and matched in size. McDonald believed that the right front tire of a newspaper truck driven by an employee we'll call Bob Jones had run over Vicky. Jones was the man who said hello to Vicky after the accident, when Vicky had reacted violently. In 1985, Crystal Lyons filed suit against the Big Spring Herald, claiming that Jones hadn't taken the proper precautions while backing his truck out of the parking lot. The unfortunate accident would mean a lifetime of neurological difficulties for Vicky 
and Crystal wanted justice. Vicki Lyons needed dozens of surgical procedures because the accident damaged her hearing, vision, and sense of balance. But she was able to attend school. They just um, asked me if I'm like mentally retarded or if I had a stroke. But I'd rather them ask me what happened than like sit there and stare at me. There was no way to just do what the doctors had suggested, which is put her in a wheelchair and just forget her. I couldn't do that. She's my child. I love her. Crystal Lyons says she didn't sue the Big Spring Herald just for financial motives. She wanted them to take responsibility for the accident that left her daughter permanently disabled. I wanted everybody to know the truth. And in order for Vicki to get the, the appropriate medical attention and have a life, that money was going to be involved. Vicki Lyons tries not to think about the accident, but she remembers it. I remember my mom's boss telling me to go play in the parking lot, and I had some toy dishes with me, and I went behind this truck I was just playing in the sand. On the day of the accident, the driver of the vehicle, in a rush, backed out over Vicky in the unpaid, bumpy parking lot, apparently without realizing it. I saw him, like, look in this rearview mirror. Even before the lawsuit... Jones suspected he might have been the one who ran over Vicky. The driver made comment to Crystal that he did not think he did it, but if he did it, that he was sorry that it happened. I'm willing to forgive him because I'm no person to judge. So, and he's got to live with weight. The Herald wanted to settle the case. The newspaper offered to pay $750,000 towards the care Vicki would need for the rest of her life. Crystal accepted, but demanded one more thing. 15 minutes in the judge's chambers for her and Vicki to meet with a representative of the Herald alone. Vicki... I asked her if she had anything to say to him, and uh, she told him, you destroyed my life. That was pretty much, well, the end of the lawsuit right then and there. The Big Spring Herald did not report the news of this settlement. The paper now has new owners and a completely different staff. Crystal had the insight to take the photographs. She had the insight to get the tire imprints. She had the insight to tear out this uh, piece of paper in the magazine that had Peter McDonald's uh, name on it. Uh, without her having done all of that, 
Obviously, I don't think any, any of this would have gotten done. Crystal was able to arrange for the best medical care for Vicky, and Vicky has learned to speak and walk again. Although Vicky tries to put the accident in the past, she lives with its legacy every day. I like getting out, but I don't always get out that much because I don't like how people make me feel when I go out somewhere. But Vicki is thinking about getting out more. She's finished high school and is considering college. Her mother, now divorced, is already attending college in Denver, studying forensic science. I really applaud that. I bet she'll be really good in the section on how to make imprints. <laughs> 